Okay, so I've been going through... Um, what have I been going through? Let's do a little bit of a test. Acts 16. Acts 16. Nice. Kurt was the loudest there. Impressive. Acts 16. We've been going on a journey. We're going on a journey through one chapter. And... Um, <laughs> So I'm going to do a quick refresher for those that might have missed last week. Let's be people who seek out places where God dwells. Paul and Silas looked for the place of prayer. They looked for the place where God was being worshipped. We need to be people that do that. And this is one of those places, not the only place. But let's be people who seek out places where God dwells. Let's be people who listen and be ready to have an open heart to respond to the Lord. Lydia, a wealthy woman made purple dye. Uh, I, I can't wait to meet her, actually. On Friday, our Bible study, we were talking about all the people we'd like to meet in heaven who we're going to sit down and have a yarn with. And she is one woman I want to hear because a business, business woman in those days, I'm like, that would have been cool. Anyway, she was listening. She was the first convert in Europe. Very cool. Let's be people who bring freedom to those around us by the power of Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas had a girl who was... She was oppressed and possessed by the people who owned her. She was in slavery. And the enemy jumped on that and, and got her stuck in a space that wasn't healthy. And Paul prayed that thing be gone and she was released from it. So let's be people who bring freedom to those around us. And let's be people of courage. Paul and Silas did not fear being arrested. They were doing what they needed to do. And that's where I left it, the cliffhanger. <laughs> so the other thing that I've been saying over and over and over and over and over is the life of a disciple means that you think like Christ, walk like Christ, respond like Christ, and flow with the Holy Spirit. So good. So easy for us to remember. Think, walk, respond, flow with the Holy Spirit. All like Christ. How good. So I'm going to read Acts 16 to you, 25 to 40. This is the last part of Acts 16, and I love what's in here. Um, and I'm just going to go through it. So, Will, are we okay with that? Yes, Will is doing an amazing job on that. Yes, that's right. Give him a clap. He, uh, we couldn't find where the verses went, and he found them. Love it. All right, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the found such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Just picture that for a minute. Okay, that is not an everyday occurrence. I don't see that happening at Kempsey Prison. Do you? <laughs> but imagine all the doors flew open and all the chains came off. Outstanding. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted out, Don't harm yourself, we're all still here. The jailer called for the lights. He rushed in and he fell, trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. 
And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the, sent their officers to the jailer with the order, "Release those men." So the jailer went and told Paul, "The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace." But Paul said to the officers, I just like to put it in there. I reckon he was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and they threw us into prison. And now do they want, us, they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them, come them, let them come here themselves and escort us out. It's a strong, <laughs> there's a strong justice streak in this man, hey? The officers reported this to the magistrates and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. Uh-oh. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. <laughs> I wonder how that looked. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and they encouraged them. Then they left. Isn't that a great story? I love this story. So I've only got one point today. The last few weeks I've had four points. Today I've only got one point. Let's be disciples who follow Christ, proclaiming him in all that we do and say, in every way and in every moment. That's my point today. and Everything I'm going to say is going to lead into that. I can. Let's be disciples who follow Christ, proclaiming him in all we do and say, in every way and in every moment. That's what discipleship looks like, to follow him that way. So Paul and Silas, they were thrown in prison because they had released, they had actually prayed for this girl to be released from the demonic oppression that was making, you know, it was kept, held her captive. And they were actually bringing light and freedom into the city. But as we know, the enemy and the demonic realm did not like this and so, Paul and Silas, off you go. You're causing trouble. Get in prison. At midnight, now I stopped and I was like, why is that in there? Why in the Bible does it say at midnight? Does it matter what time of night it was? But then I thought about, okay, what, is mid what does midnight mean? Usually it's a time where we've already gone to sleep, but it's the long part of the night where there's still, there's no dawn coming. It's the dark part of the night. There's no light coming through or a crack of dawn. It's actually, really, it's probably the longest part of the night. And I think that it's in there for us to recognise that. It's not like they were in a space where they were going, great, yeah, we're going to be out in two hours, it's perfect. It's a long night. But they chose, they chose... Because God had taught them to listen and respond. You think about their journey when they were trying to go to other places and the Holy Spirit was, no, not go, don't go there, go this way. No, don't go there, go this way. So they had learnt to listen and respond. Do we respond to God or to the circumstances around us? That's why I started off with how I started off, because sometimes we respond to the circumstances. And I am preaching to myself here, okay? Do we respond to God or do we respond to the circumstances around us? Maybe Paul and Silas were praying for deliverance from being 
in prison. Maybe they were like, this is not good, God. We're going to pray so that we get out of this situation because we hate being in prison. It's not fair. It wasn't right. We shouldn't have been put here. doesn't give us those, those bits of information. There's only like one line. But maybe they were asking for deliverance from their own flesh and were saying, we'll walk the way you want us to walk. If we have to be in this prison, we'll be in this prison. We're going to praise you no matter what. We don't get that, but we have to surmise that these men, doesn't matter what the motivation was, they were praising God. And it wasn't quiet because it tells us that everybody else was listening. Other prisoners were listening, so they weren't just like, let's just praise God quietly over here. No one's going to hear that. But the other prisoners were listening. Maybe they liked what they heard, or maybe they were, it was annoying them. I don't know. Who knows? doesn't matter. Either way, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the message was clear. The other prisoners were listening, and the message was clear. Now, there's another point, so I'm going to throw over to Mark, the Mark 14:26. In Mark 14, 26, sorry, I've got it further down in my thing. Oh, sorry, 22 to 26. You're right, no, you're right. There's another place where hymns are mentioned in the middle of suffering. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So in that space, Jesus knew that he was just about to be arrested, beaten up, flogged, hung up on the cross to die. He knew that was coming, and yet, they sung a hymn together. We are Jesus' disciples. He's given us a model here. And Paul and Silas chose to do the same. Proclaiming faith in God and worshipping Jesus in the middle of wrongful imprisonment, pain, injustice, trauma. They had all that going on. And yet they worshipped Jesus. And then came a violent earthquake. Now, I don't know. Has anyone here been in an earthquake? Okay. It's a bit scary, I suppose. I don't know. Not it. Oh, that one. I remember that one. That was a long time ago. Okay. And it was scary. Did you have the same? Same one, yeah. So we don't experience that here. In other countries, obviously, they have earthquakes a lot more commonly than here. But the wording here I find fascinating. There was a violent earthquake. It wasn't just a little rumble on the ground. It was a violent earthquake. The whole prison shook to its foundations and doors flew open and chains of every prisoner fell off. I mean, that would have been a sight to see, right? And I just think about this and think God uses whatever God wills to use to set people free. Let's not get God stuck in a box about how he does it because he will do whatever it takes. <laughs> so the jailer woke up to see all the prison doors wide open. 
Now, back in the Roman days, if you were a jailer, you were responsible for those prisoners. And if any of them escaped, basically you were executed, which is terrible. What a, what a job. I don't know who would sign up for that job. The pay might have been good, maybe, I don't know, but I would not have wanted to do that. So he, the jailer, when that happened, he went to kill himself. He was like, I'm going to take myself out before this gets found out because all those prisoners are gone. They're all escaped. We don't really know how Paul knew the jailer would do this, if he could see the jailer or if he could hear the jailer. Maybe the jailer was like wailing. Maybe he was distressed. We don't know. We don't get any of those details. Either way, God stepped in. God stepped in because the jailer mattered to him. This was actually not necessarily about Paul and Silas at all, but perhaps about the jailer and his family. We can actually get, sometimes get all bent out of shape about our circumstances. But if we continue to worship and praise the one who sees and knows everything and we trust him, then we get to be part of a bigger picture. And that's cool. They took their eyes off themselves and they worshipped him in the middle of, like I said, pain. I mean, they've been flogged. They're not sitting there with one Band-Aid on them. They would have been in severe pain. And I don't imagine the prisoners were very comfy. No beds and nice mattresses and pillows or TVs. They were not in a great space. And yet, they chose to worship him. Sometimes it's important for us to see that actually our circumstances may not even be about us. There may be a bigger thing God's doing. So part of us responding to him is to ask him, what are you doing, God? Show me what you're doing because I don't understand. And again, like Dave said, we may never understand. He may not choose to answer that question, but will we trust him anyway? Will we trust him anyway? That's what he's after. People who would trust him anyway. So the jailer ran to Paul and Silas when he realised that none of, the, none of the prisoners had escaped, had gone. He ran and he said, what must I do to be saved? The rich young ruler asked Jesus the same question. And Jesus told him and he decided to walk away. But in this story, Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. Now, it didn't mean that everyone in the household, if he decided to, um, if the jailer decided to say, yes, I will accept Jesus as my king, I will surrender my life and walk out the way with him. It doesn't mean that everybody else comes under that. They all still had to make their own choice. But in those days, the household was considered part of, it was your family. And so he's saying, you choose this, you believe in Jesus Christ, and I will look after the rest of these. And that's very cool. So Paul and Silas shared the word of the Lord with him and everyone in his household. I wonder what this looked like. I was just trying to picture it. No, I'm going to leave them on. I was just trying to picture it the other day because I was thinking, what did that look like? Shared the word of the Lord. I don't imagine it looked like this. <laughs> I don't imagine it was like, okay, sit down now. We're going to have half an hour of sharing. I reckon it was probably very rough, very raw, very real from the heart and actually just expressing the truth of the word they had inside of them. 
I imagine they took the moment. They didn't wait for the formal. They took the moment and they shared the word of God. And the living word of God is Jesus. The jailer then cared for them and washed their wounds. Now, this is probably the same jailer. We don't get told this, but some things I've read. This jailer is probably the same one that helped the flogging, was there with the flogging, and then threw them into jail in the most secure part of the jail. He would have been responsible for all that. And yet, look what happened. As soon as he receives an understanding of Jesus, he has the revelation of God's heart for him. He cares for them and tends to their wounds. Isn't that beautiful? There's transformation happening there. Transformation happening there. Because this probably was not, it would not have been a done thing. This would not have been part of his job description, I can tell you right now. But when people meet Jesus, there is transformation. Can we all attest to that? I think we can all attest to that, right? When we meet Jesus, he transforms us. I read a story this morning. I don't normally follow through with some of these things. There's a lot on, on um, Instagram and Facebook. But this one this morning got, really captivated me. And I was like, oh, I'm going to find out what that's about. There's a girl called Kat Von D. And she's, a, she's been a goth singer and a tattoo artist and like very talented. Very, and she was very well known on the Tattoo USA or whatever it's called. I can't remember. Inc, tattoo Inc. And... She was very involved in the occult. Okay, she was openly involved in the occult. But she met Jesus recently. She met Jesus. She threw out all their occult stuff. And she renounced the enemy and gave her life to Jesus. Isn't that cool? It's very cool. And I watched just this interview with her because actually sadly, and this is, this is really heartbreaking for me to, to have read this, but she got baptised and it was a beautiful, it was like a little tiny church and she got baptised and she posted the video of her being baptised and um, there was a bunch of Christians that replied to that saying, oh, you're doing this for a PR stunt. You're not fully baptised because your hands didn't go fully under. And I was like... Okay, that's not okay. Now listen, when I say Christians, we all know that there are people who sit in a church that have not surrendered their life to Jesus. Okay, so I'm not talking about... Those, I think, are those people. They just come with a message of condemnation. And that is not what Christ would say to her. And actually, you know what? I want to pray for her right now. I want us to pray for it. Join our, our hearts and our... Um, Minds to God and pray for this girl who is, um, she's very articulate and she expressed her disappointment, but she also said there had been a lot of people that had been backing her and she knew that she was following Jesus Christ and he was her number one. So, Lord, we want to pray for Kat Von D. Lord, I thank you that you have met her, that you have encountered her, that she has said, Jesus, I will follow you. I will walk away from all the occult. And I will follow you. Jesus, we want to ask that you protect her heart. We want to ask that you give her supernatural encounters with you that will remind her who she is to you, who you created her to be, 
And I ask that you will protect her from lies that come, whether they're from lies from the enemy or lies from people who are not walking with you. Lord, I pray that you will protect her, that you will grow her, that you will surround her with people that will lift her up, that will encourage her, that will disciple her, that will teach her your ways. And we just pray blessing over her and her husband and her son as they continue to grow in you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So yes, this is exciting when people's lives are transformed by Jesus. And in back to the story, the jailer and his household were immediately baptised. Now we don't get the logistics with this either. There's so much in here. I'm like, God, why couldn't you have just given us a little bit more? Because it basically says the jailer and his household were immediately baptised. Now, Philippi was on the coast, but it's the middle of the night. It's two o'clock. I don't know if they're taking everybody out to the coast and going, okay, let's go and dip you in the thing. Maybe down to the river. Maybe they used a bucket. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is that there was a public declaration of this family when they recognised they had met with Jesus that they chose to be baptised. And this is a beautiful segue because Will is getting baptised. And... He is getting baptised. Everybody is welcome. Tuesday morning at 7am. <laughs> so let's see who's committed to this. <laughs> All right, we're going to go down to Shelley Beach in the lagoon and Will is going to make a public declaration. So he was happy for whoever to come to come and obviously understands if you can't with other things, that's fine. But we are excited, Will, because God has taken you on a journey and it's been wonderful seeing you grow. And this is another step in faith for you to continue to follow Jesus. And I love that. So go you. And we're excited. Tuesday morning, Shelley Beach Lagoon, 7 a.m. Okay? Right. So they've all been baptized. Then Paul and Silas went to the jailer's house and had a meal. And the whole household rejoiced because they all believed in one true God. Now, I, I mean, this is a lot to fit into one night. I mean... The rest of us, we're snoring our heads off while this, is, while this would all be happening. But this is all happening in the middle of the night. So they get saved. They share the word of the Lord with them. They get baptised. Oh, sorry, no, they, he, they, he deals with their wounds. They get baptised. Then they go for a meal. I don't know what, time, what meal you're having in the middle of the night either, but you know, that doesn't matter either. But what I love about this is that they are gathered around a table. The meal shows that there is a welcoming and they are gathered together around a meal. And it's a beautiful picture of God's heart to bring people home, to bring ones into his family. They celebrate in that meal. And that's beautiful. So actually we're going to take a minute now and we're going to gather around this meal here. Let me just read Mark 14, 26, 22, 26 again. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And gave it to his disciples saying, take this, this is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives.
If there's anyone in this room that has not surrendered their life to Jesus, this is a moment to do it. Jesus is always, as we sang before, he is always working. He is always moving. He is always drawing ones to him because he loves so deeply. Like in the story, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you turn away from doing it your own way, follow him, you will be saved. The Bible promises that. And we remember what Jesus did for us around this table. So what I want to do, I want to ask you to come and help yourself to this. But what I want to ask you to do is in the process of this, is ask the Lord to give you a hymn. Doesn't, you don't, I'm not asking you to sing a hymn out loud. But ask for a hymn internally as you recognise what Jesus has done for you, has done for us. I want you to ask him for a hymn in your heart. And I want you to let him speak to you about circumstances and what he can do in the middle of that space. So we're just going to take a moment to do that. And then I'm, and then I'm going to carry on with the rest of the passage. So just take your time, but when you're ready, just go up and help yourself to some juice and some bread. But ask the Lord to minister and give you a song in your heart, a hymn in your heart of praise to him. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the hymn that you will put in our heart, Lord. May your name be on our lips every moment of every day. Okay, so I'm going to wrap this Wrap this few... I think I've preached on this for four weeks, so this is the culmination of it all. So from verse 35. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul... The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us in prison. And now, do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. And the officers reported this to the magistrates. Don't fancy that job either. Um, And then when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. So I just wanted to repeat that because the daylight came. The daylight came. All that happened in the night, all that happened in the darkness... That's important for us to know that. The daylight came. And the city officials sent police to tell the jailer, okay, you can let them go now. And the jailer, so the jailer was like, great. This is what you want, isn't it? You can be free, off you go, go in peace. And Paul gets indignant. He's like, no way. They publicly shamed us. They didn't give us a trial. They arrested us, beat us up and threw us in prison. So they can publicly release us as well. (laughs) Sometimes we can get... I mean, it's interesting, actually. I think this is interesting. This is in here because sometimes we can... All of us have probably got ideas or, or stories in our world where there has been injustice and something hasn't been done correctly to procedure or hasn't been done well. And it's important for us. I think this is in here for us to know there are times where we actually say, that's not okay. We have to know, though. We do have to know if God's in that with us. So I'm not just saying we should all be walking around going, that's not right, no, that's not right. We don't want to be people like that. We're disciples of Jesus. So was Paul. But he's like, actually, no, 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 you're not just going to do away with us quietly. Because you actually did the wrong thing, so you can come and publicly make it right. And I think for us, it's important for us to know that. There are times where God will say, you know what? You actually can stand up and you can say that hasn't been done well, that hasn't been done right. And we get the result that actually maybe is right for that time. Other times God says, lay it down. Let it go. We have to know the difference. We have to know the difference. He is the one that will tell us the difference. Okay? So if you're not sure, ask him. So the police went back to the city officials. Wouldn't you love to have been in that office for that conversation? (laughs) They're not going until you come back and tell them that they can be released. The city officials, alarmed that Paul and Silas were, were alarmed that they were Roman citizens. They hadn't even stopped in long enough to ask them that question. If they had taken a moment, 
They would have found out they were Roman citizens and they couldn't do that to them, but they didn't do that. So they came to apologise and then they begged them to leave the city. <laughs> I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Can you please leave this city? I don't think anybody's had that. So then when Paul and Silas left the prison, it doesn't tell us about all this time either. I mean, I'm, so much happened in the night from midnight to dawn. I'm thinking this could have happened within two minutes as well. But when they left the prison, they returned to Lydia's house and they met with the believers and they encouraged them once more. Don't you love that they went from this prison space that was messy and hard and challenging into the first church in Europe. I mean, they didn't know at that time what was going to happen, but the first church in Europe, they went to Lydia's house and they met with the believers and they encouraged them. They didn't go and be like, okay, let us tell your story, our story. We're just going to spend some time with you before we leave the city, but we're going to tell you all our story. They encouraged them in the Lord. This was the first church of Jesus Christ in Europe and Lydia was instrumental with this and it was at her home. It was at her home. And that's why I started off saying, when we seek places for God to dwell, our homes are also those places of peace. God wants to use our homes to be safe places for people to come and meet with God. He wants our homes to be used to further the gospel. So then Paul and Silas left town and went on to whole bunch more adventures and you can read the rest but let's be disciples who follow Christ proclaiming him in all we do and say in every way and in every moment these guys in this story show us that in the moment where they were in the really a bit of a mess in that place God did something outstanding he met in a supernatural way he positioned them there for that moment in time to meet with that jailer and his family, to bring them salvation, to bring them freedom, to bring them love. And I just love that that says, says so much to us about us, our life and what we walk in and what we can walk in and what our discipleship looks like. Now let me finish by reading this passage to you. This is a letter written to the Philippians, the people that you've been hanging out with here later, um, by Paul. And our kids learnt this verse today. I see they've all probably, I don't know if they've come out or not, but um, our kids are learning this right now because they've been learning about pride and humility. So Philippians 2, 1 to 11 says this. Have the attitude of Christ. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Because the Philippi church was having a few issues. So he's like, come on, get together. Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish trying to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Exactly what Paul and Silas did. Exactly what they did in the middle of that stuff. They focused their eyes on him and then straight away 
focus their eyes on the jailer and what his life needed. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So living a life of a disciple means we think like Christ, walk like Christ, respond like Christ, and flow with the Holy Spirit. And we will not miss the big picture. We will not miss the small picture. We will see as we ask him and we flow with the Holy Spirit, we will see what he's doing. And it is always bigger than us. It's always bigger than us. We matter. We are important to him as individuals, but it is always bigger than us. And there is always a jailer. Not literally. So <laughs> but there is always someone like that in front of us that needs to hear the message of grace. So let's be disciples who absolutely walk, sound, respond like Christ. Lord, I pray for us as a collective. I thank you for all that we've discovered in Acts 16. I thank you that you have placed it in the Bible for reason and purpose. I ask, Lord, that as we let it sit inside of us, as we let it, as we mull over it, what you're saying to us. I ask that each one of us, Lord, would hear what you're saying to us and that we would choose to respond, that we will have the courage to respond and we will listen to your voice and respond to you. Lord, may we be disciples who continue to grow and become more like Jesus every day. I thank you for this story and everything that we've learnt through Acts 16. And I ask that for each one of us, you'll recall to mind the things that you want us to know, remember. Whether we're going about our work, whether we're walking down the street, whether we're sitting with somebody, may you recall to our mind exactly what you want us to remember from this chapter. And I ask, Lord, that you continue to stretch us and grow us in love and in grace. I pray blessing over every person here in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How good. Disciples for Jesus. How good. Now, I want to say that before we... Have you got another song or not? No, not really. Okay, that's fine. Because what I was going to say was, I would like us to um, have a moment where those that need prayer come out the front but what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask if you feel to come pray because Dave and I are not doing this on our own we are a church together we are his church and when we know the truth of God then we are able to pray for other people whether we think we've got it in us or not <laughs> okay so I just want to ask maybe if we could just have some music if you want prayer I want you to come to the front but I also want to ask the rest of you not to check out we have responsibility to each other, actually. We have responsibility to each other. So I want us to just ask the Lord, if you want me to pray, I'm ready. Responding like Christ. Mm -hmm.